Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And this week, we are jumping into a month-long series talking about augmented reality, which is a really uh, big technology trend. I know we've talked all year long about what's happening in virtual reality. So I'm bringing on the show a number of experts who have all sorts of insights and exciting things to share um, on the subject of augmented reality. And so to kick off the very first interview is Mr. Charlie Fink, who is a former Disney executive. He's been at AOL and AG, and he writes about VR and AR and other new media for Forbes. So let's have a big tech cat hand for Charlie Fink, ladies and gentlemen. It's wild for you, Charlie. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It is such a pleasure. So give us a little bit of your background, because I met you through your Forbes writing you know, world, but um, tell, tell us what you've you been up to. Remember we were standing in line for the Microsoft exhibit yes. at HBUE last year. That's right, and we and we kind of bonded. Yeah, we chatted it up. We figured out that we were both writing about uh, new technology, and in particular, augmented reality. So, uh, you know, we, we've stayed in touch, and of course, we're both active on social media. I'm at Charlie Fink, uh, and, you know, I post probably 10 times a day. So yeah, yeah. it's hard to Get me if you connect with me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I'm, and um, you actually are one of the uh, people that keeps me up to date on a lot of things that we're talking about um, on the show. And so you started as an executive on the entertainment side of the world. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my whole bio, although it's, it's going to be like Charlie Rambles for five minutes because <laughs> I started my career in the early 80s, which is probably around the time that most of the people listening to this started being born. But uh, so I'm uh, in the third act of my career, if you will. And I, I did start out in the movie business, and uh, I went to graduate school at the Art Institute of Chicago. Like all good New Yorkers, I kept moving west. And I got a job as a junior executive at Disney in the animation division um, at the end of 1985, when they were trying to convert themselves from this sleepy little backwater Uh, and reclaim the previous glory that the animation brand had and the value that it created for the company. And, yeah, I was there for uh, over six years. It was great. Uh, I developed uh, all the big movies that you associate with the 2D animation renaissance, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid. How fun. a A lot of other projects, stuff at Disneyland. Cranium Command, if anybody remembers that. Uh, It's just amazing 3D work uh, using the technology we had at the time. So it was a a lot of fun. And uh, I went from there to uh, running together with Tim Disney, a company which created location-based VR centers called Virtual Worlds. Some of the centers were called Battletech Centers. And they featured, it was, it was basically, uh, I describe it as vehicle-based VR. Okay. So you get in a little pod, and the pod can be a hovercraft on Mars, or it could be, uh, you know, a mech, a robot on another planet, uh, jousting, so to speak, 
with the other players in the simulation. So they were real-time multiplayer simulations, but you were in pods, and there was motion and radio and, you know, all sorts of uh, uh, fake augmented reality targeting systems and whatnot in your field of view. It was, you know, sort of like the advanced PC games are today. And uh, we ended up building 23 of these, uh, about uh, 13 in the U.S. and 10 overseas, uh, including uh, Japan, the UK, Australia, and Canada. Wow! When I and I got to segue because we were st- we're still talking very early, right? People at this time didn't even have personal computers in their homes. Wow, that and, is really really early. Yeah. So so uh, we won uh, Cool Site of the Year in 1994. Virtual World did. You know why? Because there <laughs> weren't any other cool sites. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, <clears throat> From there, I went to America Online, a sleepy little company that had just gone public. Uh, and it was based in Vienna, Virginia, uh, wow. where I, I still spend a lot of my time because uh, we dug in here with our kids. And uh, I was at AOL. I was uh, senior vice president and chief creative officer of AOL Studios. So we built, I was in charge of building really big things that AOL would own. And eventually, AOL would sell. Uh, including uh, Love at AOL, which was sold to Match.com. Huh. And, and as we all know, uh, online dating is is possibly one of the killer apps of the Internet, depending on how old you are. Right, right. And, or, frankly, it isn't age-limited. I think that's the way people meet each other today. Yeah, you yeah. one of those tools. So I think it would be hard to find someone who hasn't used it. So I, I would define that as a killer app, but we could talk about killer apps. Uh, interesting topic in AR especially. For so sure. I went from, so I went from AOL to uh, doing startups. My first startup uh, was a, an email, it was an information aggregator that was sent to you by email called eAgents. It was like having your Yahoo homepage emailed to you every morning because this was a very new idea in 1999. So when I left AOL, I built a, a company around this idea that I wasn't able to persuade anybody at AOL was a good idea. So I raised, I don't know, $6 million of venture capital. And, you know, we were off to the races and Yahoo invested and, uh, you know, uh, Draper invested and uh, Lazard invested and American Greetings bought, you know, we had 6 million users inside of a year. And uh, American Greetings bought us, and I became president of their uh, .com subsidiary. We acquired, while I was there, our two biggest competitors, E-Greeting and Blue, E-Greetings and Blue Mountain Arts, and consolidated the category so that we could go from free to fee. Got it. So, so we real, were, looking at business models. Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was saying you were looking at business models. Well, yeah, we were we were hemorrhaging money when we were the biggest website in the world. Right. It was better to be a much normal, more normal sized website. <laughs> have your audience consist of people who pay you. Right, right, right. So, and of course, you could focus on the people who really care and not try to cater to the entire world. So, <laughs> when I left American Greetings in two thousand and five, the dot com division, uh, through ad sales and subscriptions, was its most profitable business, and it still is to this day. 
Uh, I, I embarked on a career after leaving American Greetings that had two tracks, a dual career, if you will. One was producing Broadway theater, and the other was doing startups. So I worked on several startups while I was producing shows, and only one of those startups had a happy ending. Uh, but I learned a lot along the way. Uh, I produced some great art that I am very proud of, but sometime, I guess, around uh, the middle of 2015 or so, I started to feel like it was time for me to pivot again and do something different. And I started writing about a lot of topics. I started writing a memoir about Disney, which Disney declined to cooperate with. And I was very discouraged, and a friend of mine came to me and said, who was involved in VR, actually. He's, uh, he works with Honda on their VR and AR. And he said to me, come on, man, you were Mr. VR back in the 90s. Get with it. It's happening again. You're somebody. Your experience matters. So, you know, I was a little discouraged, but I started researching it as, as I had learned to do, as I relearned how to write and how to blog. And it was, I found it was interesting to me, and I got a really good response to it. And I started spamming every real writer and editor I knew from back in the day. And before, and of course, I got nothing but crickets, right? Right, and right. Three months later, the phone rings at like five in the afternoon. I think I was, you know, in the giant. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Louis Dvorkin. He was the editor-in-chief of Forbes. And we had, I had talked to Louis in 20 years, and we had a conversation which, which was consistent with that. And it went something like, no one covers AR but a bunch of gamers. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, within an hour I was talking to the tech editor and they hired me. And it's terrific to be a contributor there because, of course, I get the benefit of the Forbes brand, which opens a lot of doors and everybody wants you to write about them. And I also learned how to ask people about them. So that's kind of the irony of being the show with you. You're doing the asking and I'm doing all the talking because right. one thing I learned is that you want to ask people about them because they tell you things. Yes. You know, you're sitting there as a writer and you're writing down what they say. Like it's really important, you know, and you don't know at the time how important it is or it isn't. You're just thinking, I got to remember what this guy is saying. <laughs> and they're very, people are tremendously flattered by it. Right, right. And, and so it's been terrific and, and I've enjoyed, you know, my association with Forbes, although I won't comment on the pay. Other <laughs> than say other people who are bloggers and writers for big branded online publications know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but but I don't do it because I view my writing on Forbes as a profit center per se, but it was the source of everything that is in the book, which I don't think I'm going to make a million dollars writing a book about VR and AR, but it is a profit center for me, and I'm hoping people love it. And so far the response has been really gratifying, and I've you know, made so many good relationships and so many great friends in the past 18 months. And, you know, as Brian said, it, it did matter, you know, and people yeah. even remembered me, you know. So it was awesome. It's been awesome. And, so, uh, so, Charlie, the book that you're referring to, because we have to take a break, but I want to jump right into the book when we get back, is Charlie Fink's Metaverse, which is an AR-enabled guide to VR and AR. And we're going to dive really deeply into the book itself. But the, my favorite thing about the book is that you actually have a little Charlie as an AR-enabled guide to the book. 
Um, so you download an app, and it's called the Fink Metaverse, right? Fink Metaverse um, yeah. app, and and it's it's it pointing it at the book and at different um, places in the book, and there you are talking to us on the book, guiding us through the content, um, and it's just an amazing way to introduce content about AR and VR to actually use AR. So I think it's it's brilliant, um, and the little Charlie is also just adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, we're gonna we're gonna come back in a moment and dig more into Charlie Fink's metaverse and really get into some of the exciting things that are happening in augmented reality. We're gonna be back in a moment with Charlie Fink on the Tech Cat Show. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous Charlie Fink, who is a contributor to Forbes, really focusing on VR, AR, and new media. And he just gave us a fabulous overview of how all the different things that Charlie's been doing in entertainment and technology have sort of led him here to really become, in the last year and a half, um, an expert on a resource for VR and AR. And um, I just got a couple of weeks ago Charlie's book called Charlie Fink's Metaverse, which is an AR-enabled guide to VR and AR. So what inspired you to write the book? Because first of all, I love the form factor of it because it's a little larger than your normal you know, industry book about something technology-wise, but it's also soft, you know, it's it's magazine-like, and then each of the chapters is very digestible. It's not, like, overwhelming when you sit down to read a book sometimes, some of these industry books, and you're like, it's like a textbook. This is really more, you know, like, snackable, which I love about it. So what inspired you? So here's the whole story of how the book came to be. One of the first people I became friends with as I started to write about AR and VR on, on Medium was Bob Fine, who runs, who's a publisher. He was my publisher, and he runs an organization called VR Voice. And they're a consultancy, and he puts on small conferences and symposiums here on the East Coast. He's doing a, with Walter Greenleaf, who is a very notable scientist and, and VR guy uh, in, in, in medical. He's putting on a health conference at Harvard in two weeks. And so he was republishing some of my work and uh, I was, you know, we're friends. So Bob said, you know, you've been so prolific. 
I was just looking at the number of Forbes columns you've written. Let's aggregate those and put them out in a book. You know, I published a book last year, two years ago on social media. Colleges are still buying it. It makes, you know, sell 400 a year at, you know, $40 each. It's a business. Let's do it. So he said, come on, I'll, you know, I'll pay for the printing. Come on, let's do it. I'm a publisher. I've done this. So I said, okay. I mean, it, <laughs> he said, look, we'll get other people to contribute chapters. So you don't have to write the whole book. You just have to put your articles in context. So this sounds like a great idea to me because I've never done it before. But everything he said is not true. <laughs> Which part? That how easy it would be? <laughs> it's very difficult. For, well, what you really do, right? I didn't make a list of my articles. Instead, we did an outline of what would be a comprehensive book. So it isn't about games. I should say that right now. It's, right. There are no game reviews at this very high level. So for people who are gamers who are coming at it thinking that there will be insights about where the game business is going, I don't really treat that. Stephanie Lamas talks about it in her chapter on monetization. So we're looking at games essentially as part of monetization and about whether or not it's a killer app as a category. So that's right. really so so you have to be looking at the book as a sort of forty thousand foot flyover of the United States that takes a few hours. <laughs> And every chapter is, I, I think, a separate idea. Yeah, that's so what I that's what I like have, about it. Yeah. Some chapters have multiple sections. For example, Enterprise NAR has a lot of sections because, frankly, that's what's happening. That's where the action is. Right. That's right. that's where all the great science is being tested. We're so far away from having those kinds of tools as consumers, but it's this is where it starts. This is where personal computers start. This is where cell phones start. So it's great to be in at the beginning and to see it happening. And the developments are so rapid. That's why it says, I think on the third page of the book, there's a two-page spread that says, warning, this book is out of date. Right, so, right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, we, that's we so clever. Put, we are going to put updates on the Think Metaverse website, but probably... Honestly, that'll happen if we don't have a second edition coming next year. And right. It, just, and, it yeah. just depends on, I mean, the current uh, picture is really optimistic. So maybe I won't put up updates. Maybe there'll just be a second edition. Right. It, it feels like it's it's a living a living book. And so, okay, so you're writing about VR and AR, and it's a collection of articles and other experts. Um, and um, and so it's, it's really easy to read and fun to read. But what made you build your little AR-enabled guide. Oh, right, let's talk about that, okay? Because he's so cute. Because <laughs> it was supposed to, okay, everything was supposed to be very inexpensive. And I wanted to have an appendix in the back that featured the lithograph of the artist, Zenka. Zenka has made a series of lithographs uh, and has built an app, and you hold the app over the lithograph, and Euphoria views the lithograph as a marker and places virtual objects on top of it. And Euphoria is an app right now or a, yeah, a API, API in a way? It's, it's a computer vision app okay, that got it. is built uh, into um, uh, almost uh, many, many apps. And right. if, you're, if you're an artist, like that gets free. It was free for yeah. me. So uh, 
you know, she's got the Vuforia watermark on it. But she had somebody help her build this app, and it wasn't, you know, a terribly difficult thing to do. I mean, doing the animation and having the idea was no one else could do, but the rest of it she found a developer to help her. So that was the appendix in the back of the book. Then I sat down with Zenka, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and we really had a mind meld, and she gave me more ideas about this book in two hours than I had had, you know, in six months. And one of the ideas that she had was, because I was going to put markers in there for videos and pictures, so I was thinking I was going to do one of those boring business books, and there would just be a few markers in there and no pictures, and it'd be yeah. do it on cheap paper, and, you know, it would be like uh, a Kindle book. Right, right. It would be like um, Scoble and Israel's book, Fourth Transformation. Right. That book was not expensive to make, uh, you know, to, to, to publish, the paper book. Um, was was very inexpensive. It's not expensive paper. It's not so so there is and and you see it right there You see the muse they're cheap. Yeah, uh, they did not spend a lot of money on printing because they I think they expected most people were going to be reading it on the Kindle uh, Which I think was a, a good assumption and they probably sold a lot of books that way, right? I hope, right. I hope they did it's a terrific book by the way, which really inspired me in many ways because one of the first things I had to ask myself is, can I write a book that even could be on a shelf with theirs? So <sighs> I kind of surprised myself that way. Right, and, right. Uh, that, insp that inspired you. It, it did. I mean, it made me think it could be done in a way that was useful and would help me personally. One of the things I learned at Disney making animated movies is that you have to make things f for yourself. The minute somebody said, oh, kids will love this, that is the kiss of death. <laughs> the things we made, you, the way, how do you make Beauty and the Beast? You make it for you. Right, right. So you made, the, you made the little Charlie for you because, you know, you thought it would be interesting and fun? Or I, did you I, think... I, 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 I digress. So it was Zenka's idea. Yeah. Right? Have the Charlie pop up. So there was going to be a, the Zenka animation in the book, the back of the book, and the Charlie was going to pop up. But then, so, and Zenka found a company, Living Pop-Ups, which is run by Jamie Dixon and Cheryl Bear. And Sh Cheryl is, is well-known as a woman in new media. Uh, so I'd be surprised if you hadn't run into her. And they were doing the cover. And it was great. And in the middle of it, in the background, they're running their animation and AR development company. And they had a client that dropped out of a big deal. And so they came back and said, why don't we do it all over the book? Because once yeah. we the models, you know, it won't be that hard. Let's figure out some scripts and put it all over the book. So there are 23 different animations that they made that are wow. in the book, which is just mind-blowing, right? So that was a huge, you know, they made a huge investment in this book, but they had the capacity because of the client that canceled, and I'm sure they wouldn't like me to say who that client was. But it was a big yeah. client, but they had a lot of capacity all at once at exactly the right moment. So right. once we have the animation, then you go back to the book design, right? You have to work backwards now. These things happen very opportunistically 90 days before we release the book. You know, and at the same time all of this is happening, I'm, you know, uh, corralling my contributors. I'm trying to, you know, I wrote 65% of the book myself. Right, so, right. you know, that turned out to be harder than I thought. It's not as disposable as online writing. You have to think about it a little differently. Right. So you know, people say, well, how do you write a book? You sit down for 12 weeks and you don't get up. Right. You literally <laughs> write all day 
and you eat, stop for meals for like 15 minutes and then you fall asleep and you wake up six hours later and you start writing and maybe you change uh, your clothes and take a shower and you do that for 12 weeks and that's how you write a book. And it is comforting that to know that you did shower. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let me ask you this, because one of my favorite chapters in the book is when you talk about the AR cloud, which I've never heard before. Yeah. Um, and so can you just define that really quickly sure. for us? Well, uh, do you want me to start my 10 minute thing? Well, we, we, we're going to take a break in like four minutes. So just okay, give so us let a, me just say what the 10 minute thing is. Yeah, yeah tease okay. us. So, so the, the book is painted with an invisible layer of data, if you will. And increasingly, more and more objects in our world are. Uh, toys are painted with data, and kids seem to know the ones that are. You know, that Hot Wheels now has got an AR layer, as does Lego and new offerings from Mattel. And you often see these things start to percolate as toys a little bit. There were portable, cheap, disposable games in the 70s. They were you know, the beginning of handheld computers and handheld computing being really, really cheap. So this is the beginning of things being painted with data. And soon buildings are going to be painted with data and cars are going to be painted with data. But how will we know? How will we know which objects are painted with data and how will we look at them? So that is really part of the question. And then the AR cloud is where all that data would reside. Is a good part of it will reside, of course, on the app itself, but a lot of the data is going to have to be accessed in real time. Right. So, so basically, the book and all these things are painted with data, and then using, say, an AR app triggers that data, which gets yeah. pulled pulled from this cloud. It's, yes. it's fascinating. So then, really, when I'm holding the book. It's not just the book, but it's all this other information that we're going to be able to trigger. Yes. You know, which is fascinating because then it almost seems like, you know, just calling it a book is an insult because it's so much more. Well, it gives you a reason to own a paper book, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, and, and you can, um, can you server side update it so that you could change what the different triggers are? Like you have the triggers well, already in the book. But I, obviously, can, I, yeah, of course. You can bring up different data, so you can. Those triggers are yeah. Those triggers are just sort of a, if you will, a door that opens in Unity. Right. So, and Unity is the software that you built this app, and it's a very popular software right now for building a VR, AR, and different gaming engines. Yes, and and Unity is um, free to makers. Free to makers, right? Bespoke products. Yeah, it's a, it's it's probably like the number one tool being used right now um, in this space. But the idea that everything around us, because you're right, I we have a ton of games right now with my eight year old that are painted with data, and I didn't even think about it. We have um, um, Osmo, which um, is an iPad app, but it has a little mirror that you put on the camera of the iPad, and then it's able to interact with different, you know, pieces and different game pieces that allow the, the app to have some AR to it and then create a sort of physical digital experience. All right, we have to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to get dig deeper into this concept of the AR cloud with the fabulous Charlie Fink, a contributor at Forbes, who just published this Painted with Data book, Charlie Fink's Metaverse, and it's just a fantastic overview of what's happening in VR and AR. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back. We've been talking to Charlie Fink, a Forbes contributor who is really an expert, um, in, even though he doesn't realize it, on VR, AR, <laughs> and new media. Um, having just published a great book on AR and VR. And we were talking about this idea of the AR cloud and how objects, games, books now are painted with data and you can pull it from the cloud. So so I know you had a, lo- a lot more to share about that, which is fascinating. Yes. Simple things like books and complicated things like cars and buildings will be painted with data. And that data, especially in the case of something like a building, will reside someplace that everyone can access. Let's say it's the building's directory. So you want to hold your visual browser up to the building, have it recognize the building, either visually using data from something like Google Maps or because of hyperlocation, uh, it would use, it would geographically place the building there. And you would access that data. So there are a couple questions that come from that, right? You're not going to download an app for every object you see. That's silly. Right. Um, but you are going to want to know what things in the world are painted with data. And after a while, you'll probably have a pretty good idea. There's a crude version of it that Amazon.com does where you can hold your phone over, let's say, a picture of a refrigerator and the Amazon <laughs> price comes up. Right, or it, or it guesses what object you want, and it's not always right. That that's what I find well, amusing. If you have <laughs> with that, go download Blipper because it it's yeah. crazy. It sometimes is amazing, and oftentimes hilariously wrong. Like yeah, Siri. exactly. That's my exactly. It's not quite as good as Siri, but it's yeah. it's a fabulous idea, and it's an illustration of a universal visual browser. Universal visual browser, and and that's what you mean. Anything you, you can pick up and look at through your phone and it'll trigger something? Yes. And, uh, of course, you can do that now because, the, for example, the QR reader that Snapchat uses is already built into everybody's phone. So you don't have to open a QR reader app the way you did in the olden days. Right. That's been an update in the iPhone for quite a while. And it's been, as you know, as you know very popular on Snapchat. They, you know, create those QR codes for Snapchat AR on the fly. Right, right, right. So, you know, once the world is painted with data like that, we'll need a universal browser, but then a a number of things flow from that. Uh, 
let's let's start with the cloud. Who owns the cloud? You know, right. who provides the cloud? Who pays for it? You know, how is my how is my data going to get painted on my building if I desire that? I've got a restaurant on the first floor. I would there's so many people with visual browsers today. I want to wave my hand at them. <laughs> so these are all the things that are going to follow, right? And there may be way too many objects waving at you. You, if you have a truly good universal visual browser, you're going to want to stop. Like, please do not have packaged goods wave at me. <laughs> <laughs> Unless now, something please, yummy like chocolate or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so let me. But you know that would be, I think, probably more valuable than Google. Right. Right. So when people say, can Google be beaten? Yes, Google can be beaten, maybe by Google, but maybe by a startup we've never heard of. Who's going who's gonna to manage and build and monetize this AR cloud? Yes. Wow. That's so cool. The, and uh, you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. Oh, I was just going to mention, um, you know, um, when we were offline, you were mentioning Magic Leap, and I know Magic Leap has been you know, oh, chatted about and blogged about for so long, and now it's finally launching. Is that true? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> there were some articles about them um, teaming no. with um, the National Football League and things like that. I I think, you you know what I think? Tell I, me. Tell us. Tell us, Charlie. But I think the N NBA paid them. Paid it's them? To oh, okay. So you don't think it's any of it's true? No, I think it's it's aspirationally true. Right. But they're way, they're not going to launch a sports soon. killer app. Well, let's let's take a step back and say what is Magic Leap because they're trying to build from the ground up an ecosystem including a visual browser that does contextual wearable contextual computing. So they have their own operating system and the glasses do amazing things. They for example, they map the room and it's mapped permanently into the cloud that magically runs off of. So that the next person who comes into the room, if you left a virtual object there, they can see it. That's cool. Um, for example, you could be watching a basketball game. I mean, this would be amazingly cool. And um, you're getting, or a baseball game. I love baseball. I could have, you know, the players on the field could be identified with their stats and probabilities in real time. I could have a sportscaster. I could be listening to the TV broadcast at the same time, or you know, MLB could be feeding me other games at the same time. So I can see that. I can see the value of that. If you had the glasses already, why not? And there's an NBA app, and you're going to the game. That's a great, great app. Uh, so I can see that use case, but none of it has been built yet. Hmm. And Magic Leap has been seen by a few people and kudos to them, everyone is amazed. I mean, the first time you see wearable contextual computing with the real visual browser, that is gonna be mind blowing, I can't wait. Because the kind of AR I'm seeing today, which is kind of interesting, is, is I watch on your face. Right, 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 right. Some of it is really cool. I, it, it remains to be seen if people will buy it, I hope they buy it. If they but, bought it, that would yeah. be cool. I do think that they allow you to watch video, and I do think consuming video is going to be one of the killer apps of AR head-mounted displays. Right, 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 right. So is it is it similar to <coughs> the experience of HoloLens, where you, you put it on your face and then there yeah. are objects interacting well, with you in front of you or whatever? 
again, here's I'm going to do something that that I hate, which is I'm reporting <laughs> on reporting. Here's what I read. Yeah. Uh, I read the Rolling Stone article. They let one reporter come down and try it. So the so he wrote about it. Uh, he's not a tech writer, I don't think, but but he wrote a good article, and he said it it was about the size of a credit card if you held it out into your field of view. Wow. So like the HoloLens, it's going to require some awareness on behalf of the user to keep that field in view. Right, right, right. So there's an area that that is where all the activity is going to happen. Yes. In that frame. Moreover, um, moreover, let's be clear. Magic Leap has not shipped a developer edition, not a single one. So no one is developing the NBA experience because no one has a developer edition. I would be shocked if Magic Leap was building the NBA, ultimate NBA AR experience for the developers who are going to get these things in the next 12 months. And, and that's really ultimately where this is going to grow too, right, is that Apple and Google um, released their um, AR kits so that, so that developers could build off of it. Right? That's what's going to sort of light this all up? Well, no, not really. And I think that was everybody's, <laughs> everybody's shock and disappointment was that what ARKit and ARCore do is surface detection. So they allow you to place, and they allow you in a really simple way to place a 3D object on that surface. Right, right, right. And it's opened up all sorts of creative possibilities, but it's not terribly smart. It can't leave an object there for you. We can't do it together at the same time. You know, there, there are barriers. It's not, you know, a, a handheld computer or what we call a smartphone is, is not, uh, does not have spatial awareness nor access to a cloud that would allow it to be spatially aware or smarter as a device. Those things are all going to happen. You would need those things in addition to the Magic Leap hardware to make the kind of contextual computing they're talking about possible. Right, it, right, right. It, it'll happen, but uh, unless they develop just an amazing amount of technology and capabilities that are beyond my realistic ability to estimate realistically, I, I think that they're a lot farther away and that uh, an announcement about a particular app that they're making is so ridiculously out of context and premature that the only possible reason for it could be publicity and pumping the stock price. Huh. <clears throat> this is why we need to talk to you so we get sort of ground set on, on what's really going on here. Now, one of the chapters in your book, and also I hear about this all the time at any show about VR or AR, but it's it's China and how fast China is growing in this space, especially with location-based you know, um, entities, places where the kids right. can go and watch VR, and, and is AR in there too? I don't even know. But wh why is China the you know the leader here? Well, there are a few things. First, for LBVR, you need a dense population and lots of new foot traffic, and even small cities in China have that. The other reason is that China is in emphasizing 
science and technology education and in fact last year graduated four times as many science and education uh, science and technology graduates as the United States moreover the Chinese government because it's not a capitalist country really the Chinese government is the capitalist right fostered a lot of innovation so they are going from people who are manufacturers to people who are consumers and people who are designers and some very very big companies have arisen um, with the support of the government in China including Alibaba and Baidu yeah and they're and they're they're huge and they're huge and, and I do write about that in the book because I don't think people realize how large these companies are these companies are as large as American corporations and in the past that was a very rare thing right right and is AR going to be or is it already as big in China as VR has been oh, let me go back to LBVR in China yeah you know, when we embrace technology, we do it because it takes what we're already doing and makes it better, faster, and cheaper. Location-based entertainment and, and just arcades. And by the way, arcades in the East are have been V-arcades for decades. People like Sega and Bandai and Namco have been carrying the torch for LBVR for 20 years since Virtual World was shut down. Huh. And those are not games where you wear a helmet, but they meet every other definition of VR. Most of them are uh, vehicle-based simulations, but they are VR by almost any definition. And they put you in special theme rooms. They do everything they can, you know, with, with the money and the technology they can to create a fully immersive illusion. So does Disneyland, for that matter. Right, so right. these arcades have been there for a long time. So we in the United States are like, oh, my God, now it's VR. But really, they're just moving to the cheaper, better platform. Huh. So, you know, yes, there has been crazy growth in VR, but there's been very slow growth in the U.S. It's accelerating in the West now, but it's really been happening there. They have more um, out-of-home entertainment options there. Right, right. Uh, you know, people, people, it's a little bit like New York, <laughs> you know, if you don't meet, if you meet your friends for dinner, it's going to be at a restaurant, not in your apartment. Right. It's going to, it's going to be at a place. All right. Well, we have would to take one up, more break. I would have to clean up my office. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, we have to take one more break. Um, and we'll be coming back with Charlie Fink, who has been dropping insights on um, AR and VR um, and, and also a lot of the chatter in the news and sort of straightening out um, some falsehoods that are being uh, uh, discussed online. Um, so we're going to be back in a moment with Charlie Fink, the author of Charlie Fink's Metaverse, an AR-enabled guide to VR and AR. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. 
Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. And we're back with Charlie Fink, who has been an executive um, in entertainment and technology for many years and is now covering VR, AR, and new media for Forbes. And we were talking about his book, Charlie Fink's Metaverse. And Charlie, what are some of the things that you learned from doing the book, some of the bigger conclusions? Well, one of the things I learned from the book is that somebody my age should, should get up every hour and move around and stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I did, now that you bring it up, I worked very hard on the conclusion and actually I wrote it twice. Oh, okay, interesting. Because, you know, the, what is the conclusion to this book? But for me, it's a marker on a journey. Okay. So I've been on this journey of 35 years of experience as a producer and as an executive and, a, and an entrepreneur in new media, uh, specifically, including VR. At the same time, I've just sort of graduated from graduate school and 18 months of research and interviews and thinking and talking to people so and I put put it all together all this thinking in a book right so what does it all mean so it took a long time to to put that correctly the first time I wrote it I, I came away with something very dark pessimistic because uh, I think that's the easy way out right the easy way out is to say you know in 50 years it's going to be ready player one and everything will have gone to shit and uh, if you spend too, too much time on social media and if you use social media in the wrong way, which is the way I think most people use it, um, you know, it's, it's hard to put things in perspective. So, and, and I could talk more about that, but I, I do want to get specific to the book. When you think about, you know, there are a lot of thinkers who have, like Patty Mays, who say this is, a, she's a... TED speaker and an MIT professor and just a brilliant, inspiring person. Uh, great to look her up on uh, YouTube, Patty Mays, M-A-E-S. And her thesis is, yes, things are bad, and people spend way too much time on their phones and looking down at the ground and not interacting with reality, but they're going to get a lot better. We are going to be better learners. Imagine how augmented reality could make you a better learner of a foreign language. Oh, I would love that. Imagine, right? I mean, it would label everything you see. It would translate in real time. 
uh, it, you could walk around watching a, a TV in another language and just sort of soaking it in. Right, I think it right. revolutionized language learning, but probably many other things in education as well. And of course, it's going to be mobile. And of course, it's going to be wireless. And of course, it's going to be connected in some way directly or inter indirectly with the little computer we're all carrying around. Our Swiss army knife that takes pictures and sends messages and surfs the internet. So I came at it from Patty's point of view a little bit and said, yes, if we're not careful, we will vaporize 8 million jobs and have no ready replacements. Huh. If we are careful, we'll be better men. We'll be better learners. We'll be better spouses. Because right now we've gone in the other direction. Right now we are... Uh, very available and not present at all. You, you mean that so that 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 this um, this data layer will let us be better humans? Well, sure, because the thesis of the book is that augmented reality is like a club, and it makes man better. It's augmenting us, right? And right. reality is a condition of augmented reality. Right. Oh my God, that's that's kind of a mind blow. <laughs> right, but that is true. That is that is true. And then if you look at virtual reality, virtual reality is coming from a different place. Virtual reality is cave paintings. Virtual reality is Plato's cave. Virtual reality is the Basilica in Rome. Virtual reality is dark rides. It's mm. Halloween. It's it's spiritual. So it's, it's, it's antecedent is movies and TV shows and, and theaters and Broadway theaters. And, you know, the, this is our desire to be somebody else, be someplace else. The holy grail of immersion is a photorealistic world that isn't real, where we have total agency and freedom and none of the consequences of you being human and corporeal. So huh. um, and, and these things are possible along with the apocalypse that accompanies them and all science really, and I do talk about Frankenstein and Facebook, right? Because we right. thought Facebook, we thought Facebook's, uh, our ability to personalize Facebook was the best thing about it with, and willingly gave away our privacy to get it. Little did we consider the opposite side of the coin and what the cost of that would be. Right, right, right. And now we see that data and that information about us, which Facebook was selling, can be used by bad actors with sufficient financial backing to challenge American democracy, which is right. a very big thing to potentially lose. So, you know, along with these amazing gifts, we have tremendous risks. And one of the reasons that I think China is doing well is because they have fewer risks. Long range planning in the United States is done by localities and corporations. It's not really done on the meta level the way it is in China. And unlike the parliamentary system, it is much more resistant to change. Hmm. Now, traditionally, that's kept the country from doing stupid things, but uh, cable television and, and, and other things have, have changed that. God, you just um, blew my mind multiple times. <laughs> but, you know, AR, you make it but sound all that's like in the book. All that's in the book. People just have to go to Amazon.com, right. think metaverse, and buy the book. And it is... It is a paper book worth owning. I, I really, I really am enjoying it, and I love picking it up. And it, it's just got such a great form factor. And then you can download um, 
you know, uh, Fink's Metaverse, um, which is the app to to bring up the fabulous AR-enabled guide, um, who talks to you, um, and and is a really a pretty good likeness, I think, right? Uh, they had their fun with me. <laughs> I'm easy to caricature. Yeah, it's really, really interesting because when you talk about painting with data, you know, this book is a living um, embodiment of that. And Charlie, where can people read what you're writing and what you're posting? What is the best way to follow you? Well, if you follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Fink, I am a relentless self-promoter, and you will see uh, not only my amusing, snarky, Commentary, ongoing commentary, but also useful links in my own work. Uh, I'm also on Medium. Uh, you can find me on Virtual Reality Pop. Uh, the I am on LinkedIn, um, backslash Charlie Fink. Happy to connect with people on LinkedIn, which I think is a terrific platform. And, and I would say this about uh, Twitter. I have cut out of Twitter. My feed is the VRAR feed. I've cut everything out. I've cut my relatives out. I've cut out regular news. I've cut out friends who post too much about politics. And I'm much happier as a person. I check Facebook once a day. I don't scroll through it and build outrage. I look at it once a day and see if anybody had tagged me or if my kids have put up pictures. That's it. Right, so, so you've, so, cle you've yeah. cleaned up your world is what you're saying. It's, I'm a lot happier, but, but LinkedIn and Twitter and I'm not a Twitter hater. I actually am a Twitter lover. I think Twitter has been terribly misused. Right, and right, right. People, people can have whatever Twitter they have and whatever Twitter they complain about, they create it. And Charlie, you are, you are speaking a lot and, and taking the right. book with you. Um, so you can catch Charlie at a variety of um, different conferences and trade shows all over the country. Be at South by Southwest. You'll be, be there. Yep, VRLA. Great. Uh, at uh, VR Toronto and AWE, of course, which is the, um, Augmented the big one. Yeah, where we met, where we'll have our anniversary. All right, well, we have to sign okay. off. <laughs> sign off. But we've been talking to Charlie Fink, who's the author of Charlie Fink's Metaverse, an AR-enabled guide to VR and AR, and one of the, the, the big experts now on VR and AR, publishing through Forbes, and as you heard, just heard, other social media avenues. But Charlie, it's been such a great pleasure kicking off our month-long podcasting on AR. Thank you so much, Mr. Charlie Fink. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 